You're listening to The TP Cast, the official podcast of Thomas Productions Inc. Here we discuss all of our latest videos, as well as other topics such as movies, gaming news, machinima, and so much more. So fasten your seatbelts, because it's time for The TP Cast. And now, here are your very gracious hosts, Lane, Kevin, and Kyle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TP Cast. As usual, my name is Lane. I'm Kevin. And I'm Kyle. Hey Lane, what episode number is this? I thought I, I just said it. It's, oh, no I didn't. It's 79. Episode 79. Almost to 80. Almost. And then, wow. and then it's just up from there. Every... Are you saying we can't go down? I'm saying we don't want to. Anyway, we're here to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Our last podcast was in uh, in June, so there's... It's a long time ago. There's so much that uh, needs to be talked about. So first, let's talk about uh, some game stuff, if we have anything. Um, since our last podcast, they started up the, the Games for Gold uh little promotion thing for Xbox Live users. You haven't even talked about Assassin's Creed. I know, yeah. that. that's why I'm bringing it up. Because yeah. one of the first games that was available, one of the first couple, was Assassin's Creed 2, which we all took advantage of and downloaded and played. And I think, I know uh, me and Kevin agree that that's a great game. Yeah, I had a fun time watching Kevin play it. Um... I had always wanted to play those games, but I never got them. And when they released that one for free, I was like, oh man, I have to play this. And I did, and I loved it so much that I went out and bought the rest of them, except the first one. Played them all, and really enjoyed them. Although, I still think Assassin's Creed 2 is the best. And we'll see what happens. I, I'm assuming they have your money for Black Flag, I'm yeah. assuming. Well, I'm gonna get it, but, no, but that, that means they have your money. It's 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 a done deal. Eventually, I'll get it. Yeah, for a while, because I pre-ordered Destiny. I'm waiting for that. Ooh, yes, that is another thing that we will discuss in a little bit. So, um, I also did play Assassin's Creed Two, and I pretty much agree with Kevin. It is a, you know, top-notch AAA game. I do, since Kevin bought. Um, the Assassin's Creed games, I had the luxury of borrowing them from him, and uh, I played through, I played two, and then I skipped Brotherhood, and I, I'm actually glad that I did, because it looked largely sort of like the same mechanics as Assassin's Creed 2. It was similar, but there were some good improvements, and some things that I would have preferred were more like the other game. Yeah. So I jumped, um to Revelations, and yeah, I de definitely didn't like it as much as uh, number two. It seemed like there were pretty much, it was just, besides the whole uh, Desmond side dealy, it was really only, you know, like one character, like from the other games, and all the other characters were absent, 
or only just referred to in passing. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I kept um, hoping Da Vinci would show up, and he never did. What if, what if they made uh, a Da Vinci game? That would be interesting. And you know, with three, um, they do that same kind of thing where you know Da Vinci's in it. Only it's not Da Vinci; it's other people like um, uh, uh, who's that guy in the One Hundred Dollar Bill, Benjamin Benjamin Franklin, and you're also there, like riding with Paul Revere. Doing the Paul Revere ride. Okay, uh, thanks for spoiling everything for me, because oh, I haven't played that one yet, so... Yeah, I will be playing that soon. And it's weird. You said... What was your opinion on 3? It was not as good. Um, there's not as much climbing and running around as I would have hoped. Like, that's the fun part, and it's more, like, horse riding and just running around on foot, which is... Nice, because, I mean, they made you faster. And you can climb trees and stuff now, which is cool. Better but, than Revelations? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they're about the same. Or maybe a little bit worse, I don't know. It's up but, to you. Yeah. Uh, it just wasn't as satisfying to me. So, do you, you think that its shortcomings were um, the setting, mainly? Because there weren't a lot of buildings. Yeah, America is the worst. Yeah. Well, now it's great. Back then it was <laughs> Yeah, no, th- there should have been a lot more building and climbing. And there weren't a lot of puzzles either. Yeah. You know, there, there I really some... liked the, the puzzle yeah. stuff where there's just no enemies to fight and you yeah. can just take your time and leap around and do stuff. Yeah, there was that part, I think it was in it was in Revelations, when you like... Yeah, it was one of the... Trying to get one of the keys and you're all underground in this whole like puzzly place. That's so yeah. cool. There's... Almost no puzzles in yeah. this game. Yeah. In in Assassin's Creed 2, there were some like that, only I think they were optional. Yeah. So. While yeah. you were talking about this, I'm super thirsty, so I'm going to be right back. Okay. Well, um... Since I did not partake. Yeah. Well, also, I think that was really the only, um... That was really the only games for, for Gold game that I actually really downloaded and really played through except now that they have halo 3 which is available for free download right now and so i've been uh replaying some of that multiplayer really i have indeed and um i've never missed a sprint so much in uh my time playing games i really feel like halo 3 was the best in terms of multiplayer it was just so perfect Everybody played it. Everybody loved it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I I never noticed, but going from playing Halo Four to Halo Three, I noticed that in Halo Three the BR, as Kyle jumps back into place, the BR in Halo Three it seems like it takes so many more shots to kill someone with. It's four headshots in Halo Three. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. Maybe it's uh, it's just me and. I find it harder getting headshots. Something about it is just harder than in Halo 4. Is it a slower firing rate? It could be. So anyway, um, yeah, I've been playing a little bit of that. And then um, we also got um, 
some brand new uh, DLC for Halo 4. The um, the little uh, pit remake oh, and awesome. Ricochet, which I think it's safe to say everyone here likes both of those. Oh yeah, the pit needed to be remade. I think Guardian still needs to be remade. That was my favorite map from Halo 3. But Ricochet, although it has a horrible name, should have been named something else. Something ball. Although, it's really fun to play. Yeah. Although Ricochet, it is sort of fitting because you're trying to bounce this ball off of uh, different walls and surfaces to make it into a goal. Kind of, but it should be something ball. That would make it more... I agree that Ricochet is a terrible name for that game type. Okay, well, I'm, I'm outnumbered. But the Pit remake is so perfect, it's exactly... Yeah, it's 1-1, one, one, I yeah. think. Except they took out the, the uh, where, where we had uh, Marlin's house. Yeah, they it's unavailable. Took out that part, so that's that's gone anyway. Even though no leads in that game, so out of luck there. So yeah, so yeah, I feel like when I'm on that map, I'm playing the pit, not a remake of the pit. Yeah. So that. That's really good. I it's love... pretty much the same thing with Ragnarok too. That yeah, really I love that they kept them almost exactly the same, but I really don't like that you can't go into what we used as Marlin's house. Mm -hmm. I know that, uh, I nobody, guess just a lot of people just camp up there. Yeah, and nobody, um, Although unless the, you were camping, there was really no reason to be up there. With the jetpack now, though, you could easily have yeah. flushed someone out, but anyway, would have been nice to have that option, but yeah, that's really my only gripe. Now, what did you think about the uh, the other map, which I can't remember the name of? Vertigo? Is that it? Sounds right. <laughs> Let's yeah. go with it. I haven't... Well, I played on it, I guess, enough. It's it's okay. It's It feels like... Almost like a Halo 2 map. Yeah, it reminds me of the Halo 2 PC map uplift. Remember that one? The one on the beach. Anyway, it's, you know... It's just a regular Halo map. It kind of feels like a DLC. Mm -hmm. It's it, There's nothing too special about it. I mean, I know it has those... Little, I don't know what you call it. The, the oh, the shield. Yeah, the yeah. shield sort of depleters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Just one of the issues I had with the map is... It seems like... You know, there's two sides. One that's open with the sky and stuff, and the other that's sort of enclosed in a cave. I feel like that cave half, like the back part of that, is never used, so I feel like it's wasted space. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think if they, like, close that off, I think the map would be more tight, or even just, like, replaced it with a tunnel, or something like that. So, but overall, a super great piece of DLC and oh, I get love all, armors yeah, and, oh, all the armors and the stuff. Skins. I, I really like the um, steampunky weapon skins. Yeah, yeah, I've been a fan of steampunk style stuff forever. So I I've yeah, I have the uh, the Mark V helmet on currently. Yeah, I love that one. I can't believe they didn't put it in the game originally. What I am happy about though is that the Mark V helmet in this game is pretty much identical to that in the original Halo. Unlike in Halo 3 and um, 
reach where the Mark V helmet was different. And yeah, it's it's more. Um, it, it doesn't look like they updated it. It looks like they took the original one and put it in. Put it in, you know, the um, new engine. I think they got it totally right in the anniversary game too. It looked really good. Yeah, it looked really good there. But that was the supposedly the Halo Four engine. The Halo 4 engine? Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first played Halo 4, I was like, this looks like Anniversary. See, I didn't I didn't get that. I thought it was just an, an updated version of the Reach engine. Which well, I think... It definitely looked better than Reach. Yeah. Halo 4, I think, is that to some extent, but... I'm not sure. But anyway, it was a great piece of DLC. Worth buying the whole... Pack. What's it called? The, the championship bundle rather yeah. than separate ones? Worth it for me. Okay, so what other game stuff have has been going on? Destiny. Destiny, yes. A as you know, a beta was announced for Destiny with a uh, with a pre order. Um, so we sprung on that. Yeah, we, yeah, we we all promptly pre ordered. I didn't I can't well, believe you hadn't pre ordered it. Yet. You have quite an ordeal to it, it's not it's not like a super big ordeal, but um, yeah. So um, you know, Bungie announced, hey, you know, we got this beta with every pre-order. So like immediately after, I went onto GameStop's website and uh, pre-ordered it for like an in-store pickup because hey, you know, I'd probably want to go at midnight and get it. So I did that, and so I sort of like waited around for a code. And I was saying that other people were getting theirs. I wasn't getting mine. So, um, yeah, so I called, um, I looked up on GameStop's website and called, like, their their online support place. I tried calling them uh, two times. Each, I was on hold for about 20 minutes with no answer, so I hung up. And then I uh, emailed them instead, and um, they didn't respond. So then I went and called the actual store itself that I wanted to go pick it up at and asked if, you know, oh, since I wanted to pick it up there, do I have to pick up the code there too? And um, the guy there said, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Let me check on that. So I went and checked and some other guy came on and said, oh, yeah, I don't think, see, I think the beta is next year, so I think we'll, we'll email you the code then. And I knew that that was completely false. I, was, I sort of tried to coax him out and say, well, are you sure and stuff? Because said, it says here that, you know, there should be like a nine-digit code. And I'm like, will that get emailed to me? And he's like, oh, yeah, that should get emailed to you, you know, toward when the beta starts next year. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I, I ended that, and I went and pre-ordered it on Amazon. And immediately after I ordered, I got the code in my email box from Amazon. So, uh, yeah, so now I have a beta code. I've entered it. I'm set to go. Still haven't gotten the one from GameStop yet. So, okay. here's uh, a... thank you, GameStop. <laughs> Great job there. Here, here's what I did. Um, when I tell stories, I, I like to start at the very beginning. So I'll go back a few months ago. After, <laughs> after Assassin's Creed 2 came out, I was like, okay, I want to get the rest of the games. Now, I'm a broke-ass college kid, so what do I do? 
I decided, hey, I have so many old video games that I'm never going to play again. I'm going to take them to GameStop and turn it in for some cash. So I turned in a ton of games, Kyle 2, including one that kind of saddens me that I turned it in, Borderlands, and also um, Fallout New Vegas. I can't believe you traded in those two games, because you're a big Fallout person and a big Borderlands person, so it seems like sacrilege to me. But it was worth it. So we ended up with over $100 of in-store monies. And they put it on a little trade card, and I instantly used it that same day to get um, some Assassin's Creed 2, some Assassin's Creed games, and you guys didn't talk about Bioshock Infinite. Oh, that, that's a big one. Anyway, okay. that's a wait, right so um, when I was done with Assassin's Creed Revelations, just uh, like a couple weeks ago, I took that back to GameStop with my trade card that they gave me. Turned that in and got another, like, dollar and a half off of it, I think. And just used a little bit of the money that was on the card to pre-order Destiny. And on my receipt, they printed the code. So I think it would have been worth it, instead of going online, just going to GameStop and doing that. Next time, remember that. Yeah, safe to say I won't be doing that (laughs) online shenanigans again. But, so... GameStop wastes as much paper as possible in their receipts. Here's my code. It seems like half of half of it is ads. Yeah. Here's the code. So um yeah, Kevin went to GameStop without me and texted me, uh, or called me. Hey, do you want me to get Bioshock Infinite while I'm here? Because I had wanted that for a while. It wasn't something I wanted to like spend money on because I wasn't really too into it, but I was intrigued. So I was like, yeah, sure, go ahead and get it for me. And it was great because Kevin was still playing. Assassin's Creed 2 at the time, which was not a disc, it was from gold, so I could put it in the disc and not have to worry about it, switching them out every time we play. So, I was playing Bioshock Infinite, I completely fell in love with it, it was so much better than Bioshock 1 and 2, which I enjoyed. Um, I loved it so much I played it twice, um, and I gave it to you, and I know you liked it a lot. Oh, yes, I do. So, like Kevin, uh, Kevin's strategy, I'll start at the beginning. So, I played Bioshock 1. <laughs> do you like my concise version? Yeah, that was really nice. So, I played Bioshock 1, and I thought, yeah, this is really good. I really enjoyed the story, but I wasn't a huge fan of, like, the gameplay. And I guess the environment was, like, is very enclosed, and I guess I didn't like that. It's just sort of a lot of corridors. So, so I played that, and then I played Bioshock 2. I'd say I liked it less than Bioshock 1, because the story wasn't as good, and that was the main part that I liked. And it was still the same environment and same enclosed spaces and stuff. So I wasn't a huge fan of that. Now here comes Bioshock Infinite. I was very skeptical going into it, but everyone had given it such good reviews that I decided to try it. And boy, am I glad that I did, because the story in this game was so great and so fantastic. It was so good. There were so many twists and turns that for the, the story was, in my opinion, was pretty much perfect. Yeah, and I was surprised how short it was. 
for me, it felt kind of short because they've been working on it for so long and delayed it so many times. It was like, it had been about three years since they announced it, so I expected it to be a hefty game. And there was a lot of content, but it was short on story, but I wasn't like disappointed about it. I was just surprised. And did you know that uh, the main voice actor in that game is going to play the Joker in the new Batman game? No, I didn't. Yeah, the guy who plays Booker. Because, you know, Mark Hamill is dropping out, and it's it's a prequel, so they wanted... Actually, the guy who played Ezio is playing Batman, and here's Troy Baker, this little clip of him being the Joker. Both the little brutes like children, I suppose. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? It's a good substitute. Yeah. It's a good substitute. It's a good impression. That's for sure. But yeah, I don't know how well you could hear that. But yeah, it's really good. In in Basha Kimfina, I thought he he sounded like, like it sounded like he was doing a Harrison Ford impression to me. <laughs> but right. I I mean it fit the character, so I had no problem with it. But the writing in that game is very good. Mm-hmm. And so, did you ever watch any like making of things on YouTube? Yeah. After I finished the game, I was so blown away by the ending that I went and watched behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And saw, like, their voiceover sessions. Yeah, it's so cool. The way they did that. And they, the way they um, have, you know, like, three different people playing Elizabeth. Where one's the voice, one's the face, one's the, like, the mocap. Yeah, so you had mentioned, like, you thought the game was short. I didn't think that. I think it's because um, it most... Was, it was definitely short compared to Bioshock 1, which was... Long. Most of the sessions that I played were just like little short snippets. Like I'd play for an hour and then stop, and then come back to it like in a little bit or like the next day. Mm. I usually play probably about two hours at a time if I'm really into it. So kind of can sit down and play for like four hours. Yeah, I beat for me. I beat Mass Effect in two days. <laughs> the second time I played it, two days. <laughs> for me, if I. And playing a game for more than an hour, I get really fidgety and have to stop. Yeah, so yeah, so for Bioshock Infinite, I also really enjoyed the gameplay aspect. It was it's, so fun. It's pretty much um, in sort of like the opposite direction that uh, that the original Bioshock was, where you have this super open environment and you have so many options of different ways to go, and with the sky hook and everything. It is a whole new sense yeah, of verticality. It was great how, in the first game, I mean, it, it was sort of fun, it was sort of new, but it wasn't too unique. But this game, it felt like not only did the story keep you playing, but the gameplay did too, because it was so fun. Kyle really got into getting the achievements as big as possible. I went achievement hunting in that game. I got... There was there were only two that I didn't get that I really wanted, but I would they're like ones that I'd have to start over and play the whole thing again. You played it twice. Yes. I did play it twice. So yeah, Bioshock for me, Bioshock Infinite gets a perfect score. Uh, yeah, I would definitely have to give it a ten out of ten. And that is almost nothing I didn't enjoy. Yeah, that I, th- I think that's pretty rare for me. Okay, so, is that everything that has to do with, like, gaming stuff? I would say so. Everything? Are there any, uh... Except that when you're talking about games with gold, they announced that 
that they originally that was just going to be from like June to December, but they extended it indefinitely, so more free games. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. No. <laughs> no, as long as they have decent games, like Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed something. Yeah, like games that have become like like the best of the best. Yeah, sort it's of. like most times I hear about a game that's free, I don't even give it a second thought. It's like, oh, Crackdown, no thanks. Yeah, I was thinking about that, but then I watched videos and stuff and decided not to. I played the demo of that a long time ago and didn't really enjoy it. But it's, it seems like Bioshock would be a candidate for that. It that seems like okay. it fits the category. Maybe games like Oblivion. If they do Oblivion, like, you have to... I think it. what they're trying to do is... What it kind of seems like they're trying to do is get you into franchises... So that you end up spending more money, which worked for you. Yep. <laughs> also, um, so you're right. Although, Oblivion although you bought them money. from GameStop, so <laughs> no money gained but, for developers there. <laughs> but Oblivion would be a good, good choice. Yeah. I agree. Which reminds me, I don't know if we talked about this, but Elder Scrolls Online, it was announced that that's going to be a pay-to-play game. So I won't be getting it. Yeah. Because you have to pay $60 for the game, and then on top of that, you have to pay like 15 per month. And that's so not worth it for me. I'm the same way. If you have to pay on top of the the gold subscription and yeah. the actual game price, it's a no deal. So it's a pity because it actually looked like it was going to be yeah, a good game. And they just released this video about the character creation, and that looks really cool. You can do everything. So <laughs> there you go. Bioshock Online... Thumbs down, in terms of not Bioshock. Oh, did I say Bioshock? Yeah, Bioshock Online. That'd be a whole different story. And speaking of different stories, <laughs> should we talk about some of the new uh, videos that have come out from us and some of the stuff that we're working on and have been working on? Oh yeah, there's a big one. Mm-hmm. It was announced. I forget when. During the summer, that we are making a brand new Detective Awesome movie. Finally. It's been a while. And this is also a story that we have been planning on doing for a while. I think it but was... But we never got around to it. It was before the, uh, before the last one that we came up with the title or something. It seems yeah. like the title... We came up with the title pretty well, early on. It's been around on. for a long time. And this one also, like... Which, by the way, we haven't announced the title yet. Do we so. want it? Can we talk about it? Should this be a world exclusive I, I reveal of the title? We can talk about it, yeah. Sure. <clears throat> Kevin, you have a great announcer voice. Why don't you uh, do the honors? I, I do. Okay. Yeah, okay, so the, the, the title of the next Detective Awesome is... Detective Awesome and the Con Artist Conundrum. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Detective Awesome and the Con Artist Conundrum coming to you at some point. Hopefully fall like we said. Um, <laughs> the, um, it's been in the editing stage for but, a while. <laughs> the setbacks, setbacks happen. There's, it, it has been getting worked on. There is, it is in a rough cut right now you can watch the whole thing through just without elements and it's very good see 
Um, this story we came up with a long time ago, we thought, how funny would it be if somehow Detective Awesome was conned somehow? And we tried to think about how to do that. It was kind of difficult. And we also came up with this great um, con artist character. And I remember I came, came up with a really funny name for him. And when it came time to make the movie, I totally forgot what it was. And then randomly... I was looking on my iPad through my notes app, and I had just written it down one time. I was like, oh my god, that's it. There you go. iPad jogging memories everywhere. Buy it now. So, much like our last big summer film, The Serial Realtor, this movie is diverse in locations. Yes. Yeah, so it had we, a few filming days. We had three locations, I want to say. Three, three different environments that we filmed in two we filmed in before one we have not mm-hmm. so although you just sink sink your teeth the, into that yeah yeah i'll we'll leave it there yeah um the movie is very good we took some awesome uh production or not production like promotional photos those are awesome which Please, yeah you, ha- you haven't seen yet so you know, once we get closer to the release. And Detective Awesome also has a new little piece of garb among, uh, along with his wig and hat and coat and uh, regular uh, black skull shirt and Hawaii pants. <laughs> He's yeah. also got this, uh, like, fake gold detective badge or something. Like, you found that in your garage, right? And like, yeah. Just put it on. It, it says detective right on it, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's perfect. By the way, does that even exist, like, a badge that actually says detective in real life? I don't know. That'd be interesting to find out. But anyway, um, the reason probably why this isn't out yet is because we filmed this Detective Awesome. It was, like, early summer. It was, um, like very late late june part of it was late june the other part was mid-july yeah but then we also made um we were also working on other videos and stuff uh one of which that we filmed which was the uh i think it's just called summer oh yeah we filmed that at the same time i wrote that song um in my dorm room a few months or probably a couple months before we filmed it and kind of sucks that it had to come out at the end of summer but at least we got it out before summer ended yeah so so we went and we filmed that sort of in the in the middle of like we had filmed detective awesome and it was usually what we do is we film a video and then we we you know release it and then go to the next one this wasn't the case we filmed detective awesome and then we went in and filmed this summer video mm-hmm. and so then since the summer video was shorter and um it was had to get out more you know more quickly i went and did that first then after i did that i went and worked on detective awesome and then um, our next video that we came out with, um, 
then took precedence, we went and we uh, started talking about the next Marlin episode, Marlin episode 81. And we didn't just talk about the episode, we talked about the season. We, we had this great, a, a grand plan, mm -hmm. if you will, for not just this season, but up to like pretty much the first episode of next season. It can be confirmed right now. Another season. So, yeah, so we went and we we recorded, like, the, uh, like, the gameplay portions of it. It was, uh, I want to say, like, around August, uh, late August, and it had to be out by September 4th. That's the only set date that we have when releasing Marlin, is it has to be September 4th. So... Then, because the first episode ever came out then, we just like to put the rest of the... New, we like to start new seasons then, too. Yeah, so then that had to take precedence, because then that became more timely, so I had to do that. And then um, and then I was got a chance to work on Detective Awesome some more. And then, safe to say, it has been set aside again. For Marlin episode 82. Which is about done. Yeah, it might even be out by the time you're listening to this, but you never know. So. Are you going to wait a week to put it out? Let's put it out. I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided. But, um. Monday might be nice. The only thing that's left to do is you two have to record your voices, which will hopefully be done, um, today. That can't be done. Um. Should we talk a little bit about our plan for this season? Just a little bit? Um, I don't really think too much. Um, so, episode 81, the crew um, discovered this mysterious teleporter, and uh, Shmo went through, and it never came back. So, it's the teleporter is fraught with danger. We and had to figure out a way to end the episode kind of with a resolve, but without... Finishing everything. Yeah. So, um, safe to say, well, episode, I think I can say this right now, episode 82 won't, um, won't directly, you know, tie in with the teleporter. Definitely. Don't def forget about it. Definitely not all the episodes in the season have to do with that teleporter. But, it, you know, it's, it hasn't been forgotten. It, it will come back. Yeah, the, um, we, we have a lot of, plans for future episodes that don't have anything to do with this teleporter, and some that do. The teleporter is definitely the, um, theme, would you say? So, sorry. Not quite the theme, the, um, something that will tie together this season. Yeah. So, it, something like that. Yeah, like, it's not like every season has something that ties it together. Well, we're in great But the best example is, um, season seven? Think of season seven, which was started out with Corey Von Sexy returning, yeah, and um, crashing. Our our base the one with the prison and the the Revengers. Yeah, so that was the first. So the Corey episode was the first of the season, and then there were a couple of episodes where Marlon and gang thwarted 
some people, and they all ended up in jail. Yeah, we and Corey were, was there too. We were very oh, proud right. of this that we sort of introduced all these characters that we knew we were going to have together at the end, but we didn't. We just wanted to get them in your head. We didn't, um, and specifically, you know, say, "Hey, remember these characters." But we knew that we were going to do something with all of them at the end. And, and, and Corey. It was a lot like. So we were super proud of that. It was a lot like the Avengers. Everyone got their own movie, and then in the end, they came together. And that's what we did, and we even and then referenced died. that. We referenced that in the title. Well, one we called of, it the well, Avengers. One one of them died anyway. Yeah. What? I thought, I thought you knew this. Okay. <laughs> it was my character. Yeah. So um, yeah, but unlike that season, when we started that season, we for the first episode, we didn't know that we were going to do that. This, you know, when we started this first episode, we knew, yeah. hey, this is by the end of the season. This is going to happen. And you'll have to wait to find out what this is. Did we write it down? Because I forget. Yeah, we wrote it down, so well, don't worry. If you forgot, I, I didn't. Boy, excuse me. Okay, so, um, um, yeah, so future plans, more Marlin Epps, and um, miscellaneous live action videos. Including a big Detective Awesome. Mm-hmm. That you will enjoy. If you're a fan of Detective Awesome, this is classic Detective Awesome. At his most detectivity, detect, det, it, okay, we detect, detectivity. <laughs> we um, we Kevin and I saw a very rough cut over Skype, that and it looks great. It, I know, I'm, I'm super excited about it, even though I saw a grainy, low quality version. The bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> it was hey. it was good. You know, hey, maybe if if you desire, I can make a trailer. Okay. Well, well, Wait, do, well. Do that we is a possibility. We did film a teaser that yeah, has yet to be put out. I want to wait until closer release. Oh, that's that? right. I don't quite remember what it is, <laughs> but I remember. I anyway. Then what were you gonna say? Something. Okay. Yeah. So I was saying, if you really want to, the rough cut is available for viewing. Oh, but sorry, viewers, not for you yet. But <laughs> you get the benefit of seeing it when it's, it's finished. And, yeah. So there we go. Now, um, was there anything else that we did um, that we need to talk about? Over the summer? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, Kevin, I think this, this starts with uh, on your side of things. Okay. This little uh, trip that we took. Don't, don't start with I, spring break. You know, I won't. I won't tell the whole story. I'll just basically say. Yeah. Don't start from the beginning again. I have seen my fair share of um, live audience taping shows. I've been in um, the audience for shows, and it is so fun. And so I thought, hey, it would be fun to. I know that Lane is a big fan of Conan, and I also watch him every once in a while, and I like him. And he films in Hollywood, or Burbank, actually, which is within like a day's driving distance from us. So A long day, to be sure. But Yeah. Um, so, you know, tickets to those shows are always free. 
But the thing is, you're not guaranteed to get in. Like, they oversell them knowing that some people won't show up. They overgive them. Yes. So Sorry, I had to be correct. <laughs> um, so we got tickets and said, hey, let's go see Conan. So we went down. This was June, or July, the end of July, right? Yes. July, last day of July to August 1st. We uh, made Lane get up at um, ungodly o'clock. <laughs> that's a great way that's a great way of putting it it was 6.30 I think was when we had to leave uh-huh. we uh I made a little video that you can look at on I think YouTube we said be at our place at 7 yeah, I think I think I'm very dead in that video just because <laughs> of how early I had to get up anyway, which I'm not used to we went to see Conan it was awesome and then the next day we went and did a tour of Paramount Studios and I had already done a tour of Warner Brothers Studios, which is where they filmed Conan, and I love that studio. But it was also really cool to see Paramount. Did you have any thoughts about the Paramount studio? Oh, you got to see uh, where they filmed Indiana Jones in Cloverfield. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love Cloverfield. We went on, they have, you know, like sort of like a New York, uh, oh, and they filmed some Mad Men stuff there. Oh, yeah. You're, Kyle you're and I are fans super of excited Kyle about that. And Spider-Man. The, the, the Spider-Man the, the new... dancing scene. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so they had a New York back lot, and they uh, they filmed, um, you know, like shots of Cloverfield there. But you know, more importantly, <laughs> Indiana Jones. They filmed Indiana Jones: Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They really just there. let you walk around on their back lot where they film all these movies, and you're and like, except they except they were filming. Something, if they're filming so something, they were they filming an episode of Glee. I think they said, and they were like blocking off part of the. Backlot, so we actually couldn't go past a certain street. But hey, beyond that, we waste of space, space, in my opinion. But hey, what do I know? It rolls in the dough. Yeah. So anyway, I got to stand right where Harrison Ford was sitting in that that cafe scene where that that big big brawl takes out right before the motorcycle chase. Where Harrison Ford is sitting, I stood there. So and that is there pretty much on the same street that we also got to stand on. Where if you've seen Cloverfield, it's where the um, the Statue of Liberty head rolls down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look out the window and you basically they showed us a picture of what it looked like when they were filming it, and it was like a giant green ball, like a green screen, and they had you know. Fans blowing smoke around. It was cool. Yeah, so if you watch that scene in Cloverfield and then that scene in Indiana Jones 4, that diner scene with the big brawl, look out the window and that's the same street, but you wouldn't know. They, the, they, um, they have to redecorate everything totally. And another thing they showed us that was really cool was a, um, a parking lot for the studio. They sometimes will empty out all the cars and fill it up with water. And use it as an ocean, a a beach, a lake, and it's weird because... They have like a sky backdrop. Yeah, they show you videos of what it looks like on camera, and then you turn your head out the tram, and it's a parking lot full of cars, and it's just incredible what they can do. And you learn so much stuff there, like, you learn things like, um, if they're making a movie in the summertime, but they need it to look like fall, they'll just take a bunch of fake leaves and put them on the ground. Like, they have to do all that kind of stuff that you never think about. And also, I remember when he said, um, the Foley artists, how 
the only thing that's recorded is voice. He used the example of Brad Pitt talks. That's Brad Pitt talking. He runs his hand through his hair. That's a different sound that somebody recorded. And I, I, like, I couldn't believe that. Like, why? And then I looked it up later, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. There's a couple of reasons. Um, one is... A lot they of want the times, to get as clean sound as possible. Well, a lot of the times, um, sets are you know fake, and they don't make the sounds that you would expect. And also, or they're super noisy. Yeah. Also, if they are, um, if they want to make this, you know, in foreign audiences, if they were going to take out the voice, they have to take out all the other sound too. So it's best to have every sound recorded, so you can put it in every version of the film and just have the voices replaced instead of muting everything. Yeah, That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. They wanted to dub it in another language. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've seen like, um, like I had seen like behind the scenes, like, you know, footage and stuff of, in, of the Foley artists like yeah. doing their thing. So yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. I think my favorite factoid from that was going on to that, Dr. Phil set and finding out mm. what they do. Um, apparently, I've never really actually seen a Dr. Phil show. <laughs> I've never s- sat through one. But apparently, he likes to make these jokes. And, um, the tour, yeah, and the tour guide even said they're, they're not funny. He, he thinks he's a stand-up comedian, but he's not. Yeah, so, the, so you know, there's an, you know, an audience there that has to, you know, like react and stuff. So what they did is they put speakers underneath uh, the audience's chairs. And so when Dr. Phil makes a joke, they'll pipe in a laugh track in the hopes that it'll get the real audience to laugh either out of uh, courtesy or awkwardness. Yeah, and also they um, film multiple episodes at the same time with the same audience and they'll just... Move them around. Switch seats so it doesn't look like it's the same audience for two different episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they also filmed, uh... They filmed Wizard of Oz, I think. Really? Did they film oh. it there? I remember... Um, or was it just about, talking about the lights? He said something about how the lights were... They didn't have air conditioning and the lights were so hot that they had, like... They seven filmed. different Dorothy dresses, but only one lion costume and two people who had to bring, <laughs> bring out all the they, sweat and They filmed um, Citizen Kane there. We if saw when they filmed King big, Kong, big the original. Yeah. So safe to say it was a great trip. It was a great trip. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. For anyone who lives near the Hollywood area or is planning on taking a trip, remember, all tickets are free. And you should totally go on studio tours. They're like $50 a ticket for those. But if you're interested in movies and television, because it also covers a lot of television, um, you're bound to see something that you recognize. Maybe even a celebrity. We, we ran into our own celebrity just kind of around the Hollywood area. Yeah, that was crazy. We uh, went into a random breakfast spot, and Howie Mandel was sitting there eating. So um, that was that was very surreal and weird. But hey, we got to see him. Mm-hmm. Even got to meet him and talk to him for mm-hmm. a second. It's nice. All right. So if there's nothing else, now we can talk about. This sort of is a nice segue. Movies. <laughs> yeah, movies. The the summer the summer movie season is over. Out of the m- movies, I'm just gonna say 
for a sense of ease. Now, from now when we're recording this, all the way to June, I'm considering that summer for okay. this. Just so I could say what my favorite movies are. So, I think we saw saw your typical fair, uh, you know, Iron Man 3. Uh, saw that. We talked um, about that. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, Pacific Rim, I don't believe... We have talked about that. Do you care to yeah, discuss? Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I think Kyle liked it a I, whole lot more than I did. So I really did. It. And it was... I went into it basically not even having seen the trailer. I had no clue really what it was or what it was about at all. And as soon as the opening scene was over, I was like, Lane would love this movie. <laughs> Because of all the animation. <laughs> all the scenes, yeah. Um, and I thought, wow, this movie is actually really, really good. It surprised me how well it was. And I was also surprised that it had, like, a huge budget for all this special effects when I'd never even seen the trailer for it. Like, you have all that money, why not spend it on marketing a little bit? But hey, I got my theater somehow. And I liked it. And I don't remember too much about it right now, after not having seen it for months. It, it's, it's giant robots fighting. I probably would have given it an 8 out of 10. Okay. So... I wouldn't have gotten that high, maybe between 6 and 7. I'm more in league with Kevin. Like, the concept was great, and, you know, of course, the special effects are going to be really good. But, um, overall, it was just a little bit too cartoony for my tastes. But, um, you know, hey, you know, like I said, it's still good, good effects and good uh, action sequences. So, safe to say, that was not my favorite movie. Yours of the summer. was. Okay. So, I'm, I forget when this came out, so I'm not sure if I've talked about it already. But, um, I have to go with the Star Trek Into Darkness uh, yeah. That I'd say, if we, gravity, I say if if we're going, that's what I'm coming to. If we're going in my, you know, summer definitions, it'd be sort of like even with Star, Star Trek and Gravity. Star Trek totally surprised me. I we may have talked about it, um, mm-hmm. but if we didn't, or just recapping. I went into it thinking, I saw the first movie, don't remember much about it, didn't like it, never been a Star Trek fan. Same boat here. All I was like was, hey, J.J. Abrams is going to make Star Wars, okay, let's check this out. I went into it knowing nothing, and I remember even like partway through the movie, I went to see it with my dad, I turned to him and said, I am loving this. It was so good, and Benedict Cumberbatch, he was the best part about that movie, and he made me watch Sherlock after that. Which in turn made me watch Sherlock. <laughs> also and... very good. Um, you like Sherlock, right? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, also, show. added bonus, Martin Freeman's in that, who plays Bilbo, and Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be Smack the Dragon in The Hobbit. But, oh, yeah. Lane and I both agree that Benedict Cumberbatch should play the Riddler. Yeah, I don't see why that's not that hasn't been brought up yet. It's a no-brainer decision, really. Lane and I are cumber bitches. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
So I like that. And then Gravity. Which Kyle and I haven't seen. Yeah. So won't spoil it for you. But same director. Uh, God, I always run into this thing of not knowing how to pronounce his last name. Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say that just right now. But anyway, same director as um, Children of Men, which I saw before seeing this Gravity, and I'm so glad I did. Because Children of Men, that is a super, super good movie. I forget what score I gave it. It might, might have been a perfect score. But I really enjoyed it. If you've never seen any of his work, it's basically he really likes long shots. Takes. I should, yeah. Okay. <laughs> long takes. And so, um, in Children of Men, there was a take that was 12 minutes long. And to tell you the truth, I think that, that one's more impressive than the ones in Gravity because with Children of Men, it's all, you know, live action. There's really no, like, CGI or anything like that. So I think it would be more difficult logistically. But having said that, in Gravity, there is a, I think it's 17-minute shot for to open up the film. And that is pretty great. I really like that style. And just the, the shots in general in Gravity are just so spectacular and uh, just super cool. And knowing that pretty much when, when they're out in space and in spacesuits and stuff, the only the only sort of like not CGI part of them is the face. And so to me that's really impressive to see what they can do. And after I saw the film, I went and listened to like some interviews and stuff, and I was thinking, okay, you know, they just have the face. They, I'm, I'm assuming they did like the Avatar thing where they had the dots and stuff and the camera, but I don't think that's the case because I listened to interviews, and I haven't seen. I wish they would show footage of this machine that they had, so I'm not sure what it looks like exactly. But from what I could tell. The actors were sort of like stationary in this this rig, and so their head was sort of you know isolated, so they couldn't move. And so then they planned out the shots, you know, in advance. And what they did is they had this camera that was mounted and would go around them to simulate you know what the camera movements would be doing in the movie. And so then they would, since the camera movements would. They had to pre-plan them and match them up so that when they put them in the movie, the, their faces would match the camera movements. So I was really impressed with that because that seems a lot more difficult than the, the Avatar method where you pretty much are motion tracking it and you have a, a lot of flexibility of like the angles and stuff and what you can do. Like the way I mentioned in Avatar... Did you know that there's going to be three more Avatar movies and they're all going to film simultaneously? And the next one is supposed to come out, I think, December 2016. Yeah, I haven't heard about that. The thing is, I feel like Avatar, you know, I feel like it was sort of like a movie milestone. 
as far as ushering in like a new era and stuff. But I wasn't like a super huge fan of it. But I feel like even for like the people who are, I feel like the Avatar boat has sort of sailed. And I'm not sure if... There needs to be any more. Yeah. I mean, like, it seems like... I know there are some people that got, like, borderline fanatical about it. And um, it just seems like all that hype and stuff is sort of... Well, what do you think about The Force Indiana Jones or the last three Star Wars movies? Okay, um, last three Star Wars movies, I was the prime age for those. So there are some, some issues with them, but... I don't have nearly as many problems with those as a lot of other people. For Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, there's definitely there's there's cringeworthy moments. Definitely, all, all I'm saying the, the main the main that... one. If they took out that darn monkey sequence where Shia LaBeouf is swinging on the vines, if they just took that out, I would like it so so much more. All I'm saying, Lane, is you said you think they're waiting too long, and I'm saying do you think they waited too long for these movies? Well, the the thing is, it's a whole different... Star Wars and Indiana Jones, those are time-tested. They've transcended. They're multi-generational. They're proven. And it's sort of like, no matter what, those those are classics and stuff. Avatar, I feel like, you know, it's either you have to have a fan base, you know, that's super super far off or you have to sort of like do it in a reasonable time frame I think I saw Avatar three times in the theaters wow I think me too yeah I saw it I think twice because I saw it once regular but then everyone was all yeah everyone was all like oh see it in 3D so I went and did see it you saw Avatar Mm-hmm. As that's how Arnold Schwarzenegger pronounces Avatar. He goes Avatar. <laughs> so we talk about that real quick. Oh yeah. So um, moving away from uh, actual movies that we've seen in the theaters, uh, Kevin introduced me uh, last night to a movie called Sucker Punch, which he highly praised and highly recommended. So I've seen it. I've lost count. That may have been the sixth time I've seen it. It. I just absolutely loved it. I saw like a 20 minute or so clip of it on TV one time and I was like, I have to see this movie. And then just about a week later they replayed it. So I watched it and I instantly told Kyle, buy that for me for my birthday. And he did. And I've just been watching it ever since. I love it so much. It's so deep. It's a Zack Snyder movie. Zack Snyder did um, Man of Steel and 300 and Watchmen, and this is... I love his directorial style. I'm not a fan of slow motion when it's overused, but I think when it's used right, it's good. And whoever did the cinematography in this movie, the the DP or whatever, yeah, deserves high grades. I'd say, I'd say if I had to choose one thing that I would have taken out of the movie, it would be the extensive action sequence slow motion. I have no problem with like sl- slow motion when it's done for dramatic acting purposes and stuff. I feel like that's that's a proper use for it. But I feel like the coolness factor of having like someone go into a flip and then go into slow motion and then come back down. I feel like that's totally overused. 
I'd much rather see the action and be impressed by, oh, look how quick this character is flipping back. Oh, that's really cool. They have some mad skills. But just slow motion, I feel like, just doesn't do that. So until last night, Kevin and I had only seen the theatrical version, but last night we showed Lane... We went all out. Yeah, we showed Lane the extended edition version, um, and it was the first time Kevin and I had seen it, and... I already like the movie. I like the theatrical version. I thought the extended one was way better. It explains so much more, and... This was actually, I paid more attention to the film this time than I ever did before. And, like, I said this to you when you played Bioshock Infinite. I said it's, it's a movie that rewards you for paying attention. And I paid more attention this time, and I was, you know, It would also happy that it benefit from a rewatching. It, like, I understood it the first time I watched it, but every time I watch it, I pick up on something that I missed every single time. And... I'd say I'd say that was one of the aspects that I liked most about the movie was the fact that oh you know, you know you have this this story and this action sequence action sequences but I feel like there's definitely like a sense of symmetry and there's more there like so depth layers. that you can go into yeah. and little little um details as far as you know like the objects yeah. And that have to be obtained, and there's five objects and five girls that are doing it, yeah. and just like little things that all sort of tie together. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's very, um, it's layered heavily, and um, I said to Lane before we watched it that it's, um, you know, a lot of people didn't like it because they thought it was sexist, but that it's actually like the opposite. And I, um, did you think it was sexist at all? The cost, I can see how people would think. That, I'm sort of but. in the same category as you. I could, I could, I mean, you'd have to be blind not to see how people would yeah. think that. Um, it was mainly the costumes that I think got people upset about that. But I feel like the one thing I would have changed if I were to change anything was that I feel like in the fantasy sequences, um, they could have been put in a little more danger. It seems like they were always overpowering everybody, no matter what the situation was. What I did like is but that... But I like how there was so much danger in the realities rather than the fantasy. I think... Yeah, I think that was the idea. Because there was so much danger in the reality, this, is the this one, was the one place where they yeah, could actually, you know... control. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I think what was cool about those fantasy sequences... And I can explain this later, um, what, what we mean by these, but how everyone had their own distinct look. Like, remember, there's the one girl who... She always had the hood on and... They all had their own weapons. Um, I remember the main girl, I like saw some interview with her. She said she had to learn learn how to shoot a gun with her left hand so, she, so that she could have the sword in the right hand. Um, so anyway, the way this movie works is that there's pretty much three worlds. There's like this reality that the movie starts and ends in. By the way, by the way, um, a little late now, but spoilers. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler there. But I do highly recommend this movie. Um, so the movie starts and ends in this one world, pretty much. That I think you almost didn't pick up on it, right? That it changes um, right near the beginning. Almost the whole movie didn't happen. It was a representation of what actually happened. And then these fantasy sequences are further representations 
of what happened in the representation of what happened. And you can almost say that there is actually four, because I don't know if you noticed, the very first shot of the movie was set up like a play stage. Mm-hmm. And then it zoomed in and turned around and it wasn't anymore. But that same stage was the one in the beginning of the movie that they were in. You guys won't know what I'm talking about if you haven't seen the movie, but pretty I much recommend watching it. If you've seen Inception, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love this movie. I can watch it over and over again. That's why I give it a perfect score. I wouldn't give it a perfect score, but I would go very close and say... There, I, nine, I can see... Nine out of ten. I can see why people wouldn't like it. Some of the acting is a little ridiculous. I thought the acting was very good. Some of, some of the acting is bad, but for the most part it's pretty good. Yeah, the main girl in the movie does a very convincing American accent. Yeah, and then... And also the, the other girl, the main guy, the other girl, Lane at the end, she's also, I think, Australian. Hmm. Yeah, so I'd say, I'd say four out of five. How good you like it? I'd say that's where I, we, I, that's where I would go right now. Now, there is one other movie that I did see recently that I, I haven't told you about, but it shouldn't be too much of a su- surprise. I saw Captain Phillips. In oh, really? theaters. You didn't tweet about that. No, because I was, I was trying to digest it and figure out uh, what I would give it. Was Tom Hanks amazing? So, yes, that is... Okay, I'll, I'll say it. Um, the setting up of, like, you know, the whole story and stuff, there's... It's not like Gravity where there's significant, like, subtext... And stuff like that that you can dive into. Well, it's based on a true story, so yeah, it's it's like it's be... mostly just uh, s- straightforward. Um, so for for the plot, I'd say it's it's like a straightforward thriller. But um, Tom Hanks is definitely um, the best part of that movie, and oh, excuse me, I should say uh, more correctly, Tom Hanks's acting ability. Is it Cranston-esque? It's, um, I'd say it, it goes through, the first half of the movie is basically, you know. I think Tom Hanks could have played Walter White. I think he could have as well, except I think he's too recognizable. But the first movie, the first part of the movie is sort of, um, him on this, uh, you know, on the cargo ship, which I thought that would be, you know, almost all the movie, but it turns out like a whole like half of the movie takes place with him, you know, with his pirate captors and stuff in this uh this life boat you know thing that's enclosed. And so it's just uh him in there with with the other pirates and that's sort of where his acting starts to shine through and you can see him like deteriorating as the situation deteriorates. And then um, at the very end, okay, I'm going to spoil some stuff here. Well, I know how it ends because I remember what happened in real life. Well, yeah, but you don't know the stylistic uh, choices that were made in this movie, so you you can listen up here. So, towards the end, the pirates have Tom Hanks strung up, they're about to kill him, but then the snipers get their opportunity, they take the shots... 
and Tom Hanks is splattered with the blood of the pirates, like, on him. And so he, like, um, he goes into shock, basically. And so, you know, the U.S., like, uh, like the Navy comes in and takes him for the ship and stuff and goes to have him checked out. But then he, like, breaks down and, like, starts to get super, um, you know, like, upset and stuff like that. And it's incredibly convincing. It, I feel like it was, like, as close to real as you could get. Right. To that situation. Like so Stockholm syndrome? Where you didn't want them to die? Th- that was... I could see there was an element of that, partially, because one of the pirates was, um, like, like super young and stuff, and he, he didn't seem like such a bad person. I'd say, as far as, um, like, the depth and subtext, sort of the only part of that was is that they showed... Um, sort of like the pirates as they started off and they showed how the pirates sort of were in this situation not so much by choice but because they had to do it in order to like survive and stuff so that's where you can get a little uh, sympathy where say the pirates you know they're super young they, they shouldn't be doing this but they have no choice and they have to do it how much of anyway. the movie took place on land Oh, not a whole lot. Was like maybe did it start with them boarding the ship on land? Or was okay, it... yeah, it did start with Tom Hanks, and um, I should say Captain Phillips and stuff, and his wife, you know, and she's driving him to the airport where he's gonna go and fly to the ship that he's gonna drive, and it shows him, you know, getting on board of the ship and meeting the crew and stuff like that. But then after that. I, and then there is a section, like I said, where the pirates also sort of take off from land. But then after that point, there's really nothing that takes place on land. Wow. Doesn't end? No. That, I'd say the one gripe about this, or one of the gripes, is they started off with Tom Hanks, you know, going on land and, you know, leaving his wife and stuff. And he goes, and throughout the situation... He's, you know, very con- sort of concerned about his family and um, wants to know, like, that his family knows that he's in the situation. And, like, when he gets off, he wants to make sure that his family knows that he's okay and stuff. But it ends without him being reunited with his family. And instead, it's just sort of like a big pullback of some, you know, ships going, sailing off. I have the feeling that... That seems kind of lazy. I thought so, too, but I it seems like... They very well could have shot that scene, but then decided to cut it because Tom Hanks' performance was so powerful at the end. I could see where they would want that to be the last thing you remember, you know, especially, you know, for Oscars, you know, come on. It's a big contender right there. So I could see where they might have purposely done that. Do you think if it's a, if it's between Tom Hanks and George Clooney for Gravity, who wins Best Actor? Okay, well, okay. Gravity spoilers. George Clooney is not the star of Gravity. It's actually Sandra Bullock. I know, but if he he's the lead actor because there's only one actor in the movie. Oh yeah, okay, yeah he. he although if, if he's not if he, he's not the lead, so it'd be supporting actor. Okay, but I'd say no. He, not Tom a big not a big performance. Tom Hanks is definitely better in in the performances that you're talking about. 
Yeah, I've heard he was super good in that movie. By multiple people, including you, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Is that correct? So, yeah, so... I'd say, like I said, Tom Hanks is the best part of that movie, but other than that... There's not much else. As far as making it unique. It's a thriller, and like Gravity, you get really tense watching it, but there's nothing astounding besides Tom Hanks' performance or Out of the Ordinary. So that, I would say, you're, you can get away with renting it. It's not like an experience you have to see in the theaters, like Gravity is. So, so, I'd say, I'd say a four. I'd say a four out of five would probably fit it just about right. Now, let me sec- check here, uh, see how we're doing on, on the old time here. Okay, so we got a little bit, got a little bit of time left. We've got like 20 minutes left, and not sure if we want to use it. Uh, how long are we in? How far? At least an hour, I'd say. Okay. So, now, there is sort of one one thing that we haven't discussed and that's actually multiple things but really one main thing okay tv shows oh yeah and yeah, yeah. of course that means breaking bad oh yeah so breaking bad ended and it was a masterpiece it was from the beginning to it was the best piece of entertainment ever film screen video game book you know, Breaking Bad is top notch. I give it an eleven out of one. It's that good. Yeah. Okay. The ending yeah. was beyond perfect. The ending I, was perfect. I there there's so much we 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 could do an entire Breaking Bad podcast. So that's why else get so much. Multiple intrigued. people do that. So yeah, my score. If it's out of ten, it's ten out of ten. But if I can do anything else, it's an eleven out of one. It's that that dang good. And if you haven't seen it, I will never be your friend. I could, Kyle. I could sort of see that. Like, of course, I I would give measuring the whole series. Now it's over. It you know it's perfect. It's a perfect score. But I could see like. Even giving like another you know TV show that's good, a perfect score, it, it doesn't do Breaking Bad justice because it's there's such a separation. Yeah. Breaking Bad is film quality television. Mm-hmm. Like unlike anything else on any channel. That's I, I feel like okay. I feel like any other. I'd say maybe the only thing that could rival it. In, in any way is The Walking Dead, but not... Close. Yeah. Oh. Mad Men. You haven't seen Mad Men, but Mad Men is better than Walking Dead. Not as good as Breaking Bad, but it's definitely film quality, and you might actually like it. If Did you, you see that honest trailer that I posted for Walking Dead? Yeah. That, that, so that is my thoughts exactly. Walking Dead sucks. It's a sucky show wrapped inside a good premise. <laughs> so... Characters you don't care about. So what I was going to is... I'm excited about Is that... Is that... Is that with Breaking Bad, you get the sense every shot that is shown on screen counts towards something and matters, and the way that it's framed up matters. Yeah. The way that everything's positioned. Everything is, is there for a reason. Yeah. And I feel, yeah, I've, that's, that's what makes it movie quality. I feel like every other TV show, it's very typical. It's sort of, what's the quickest angle that we could set up to show this actor doing this? 
it's I feel like it it's very like for, formulaic and just okay shot yeah. all right reverse shot <laughs> Breaking all right, let's Bad, go back Breaking Bad takes its time to explain things which most TV shows wouldn't do and studios wouldn't want you to do for their show but AMC is very they love Breaking Bad and they like love Vince Gilligan and would let him do whatever he wants and luckily they're gonna let him do a spin off yeah yeah that and you've probably heard that a lot of actors are interested in being in that. Yeah, and um, they're, they're going to try for the same sort of style. Yeah, yeah. I would hope a so. A one-hour drama with a little bit more I would comedy. hope Michael Slovis returns. He was the, um, the cinematographer. Yeah. Um, one thing I said to Kevin is that I feel like to stop it from turning into just another spin-off show, it should be like a one-season miniseries, just, you know, tell tell a certain story of Paul Goodman, but not let it turn into what's going to happen next season, you know. Um, and also, one thing that I floated by, that now I'm thinking about it, might, might not be that great of an idea, but alternate between flashback and flash-forward so we can see what's going on with characters like Marie these days. See how... Marie's story ended, or what happened to Jesse after he got free, what happened to Brock, what happened to Mike's granddaughter, stuff like that. Because they're, like, he will, stories that they didn't wrap up, just to see what happened to him. I sort of get how you would want that, although I feel like in the context of a show called Better Call Saul, I don't think that there's much room for that. But, um, yeah, so, you know. We'll def- definitely badger and skinny Pete. Definitely, they'll be in it. We'll definitely be watching that. Combo could be in it. Combo could come back. Um, I was gonna say something else and I forgot. Okay. Um, other TV shows. Yeah. Um, you guys introduced me to uh, the Blacklist. Oh yeah. I'd say that's, um, that's sort of like the only new show that I'm watching. Yeah. Right now, that's the that's fresh. Is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd say it's yeah. a nice drama. Mm-hmm. It's a nice drama. Nowhere close to Breaking Bad, but it's it's good. I think one of the the major gripes that I have about it is they have an addiction to using these indie rock songs and shoving oh. that down your throat so much. They use like two or three an episode, and it can really get overboard. Really quickly. So, um, yeah. i say, hey, ease up on that. You're good. It's funny, too. And sometimes I can't just help but laugh at James Spader because, to me, he'll always be Robert California. (laughs) (laughs) It's an office reference for those not knowing. Like me, I didn't know until yesterday. But, hey, it's funny stuff. He was... Only in the office for like one season, but it was. He played one of the best characters that ever graced the office. Okay. It's like Walter White, probably California. <laughs> okay, um, I think that's almost it. Um, really quickly, you know, without spoiling anything, The Walking Dead did start back up. Did you like that? So, here's what I thought. I heard it was kind of. Yeah. So. Going into season four, like the advertisements, it was just 
oh no, there's walkers coming. Let's get out of here. Stuff like that. So oh, I so crying kid, pull at your heartstrings. Can't wait to so so after two seconds. So going into it, like going into season three, I knew. Okay, they're in this new environment. They're in this prison. Oh, and there's this guy called the governor. Ooh, this is gonna be. This could be interesting. Going into this season, season four, I'm like, all right, what, what, what the heck's going on here? What's I, I don't. I, what, they're just doing more of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like I said, not spoiling anything, but th- this first episode did sort of help to ease sort of that uh, that question. Of uh, sort of did it set up the rest of the season? I say it didn't set up the rest of the season, but what it did introduce is fresh, uh, fresh characters that have you know come in and that they've collected from Woodbury and um, other places. So it, it's this new dynamic where it's not sort of a they're super fighting for survival, super crucial. But now they've had some time to. Uh, develop some stuff and sort of form a society like um rick is uh he's doing some farming Ooh. and uh stuff like that and they have like a little uh like a little school for the kids and stuff and they have a bunch of like books now in area so it's it's a new dynamic that makes it fresh but um hey we'll see we'll see where it goes from here and I do feel like there's a certain action sequence in this first episode, which I feel is a great example of, you know, taking, hey, we fought zombies so many times. How much stuff can you, how many situations can you f- fit these zombies into without it getting stale? I feel like this, this one action sequence in this episode is a great way of how they've made that fresh and added a new dynamic to this. Now, I know that one of the things they've been saying the whole time is that there's a new threat that is kind of unseen. Yeah, I, I still don't know what that is. That, okay. Yeah. My um, biggest two theories would be either somebody said something I hadn't thought of was disease. It could be going through the, um, the humans, I guess. And then what I was thinking was some sort of, like, natural disaster. My thought would be Rick becomes... Psycho-cray-cray? Mentally insane, and that would be be a threat, is that he's not fully there anymore, and he can't quite lead, even though his ego makes him want to. So, yeah. So, we'll see where it goes from here. Obviously, I feel like, you know, the governor's a great character, as far as, you know, his screen presence and stuff. So I'd obviously like to see more of him. He's a big screen character. He's a good actor. Yeah. So... He's discount Liam Neeson. He's <laughs> Liam Neeson, but hey. Okay, so I think... I think that's everything. I think we've concluded this podcast successfully. Okay. As usual, you can, uh, you know, email in... Do all this stuff. Uh, 208-474-2690. Call it in. I do have confirmation that it is still working. It's still operational. So, Did you call? No, <laughs> no. Uh, we, did, we did get a call, but it was uh, they hung up immediately. So, oh, yeah. But it still works. It still works. 
So do that call in. Uh, if you do, you're pretty much guaranteed to get played. Again, you can email in uh, thomasproinc at gmail.com. And again, pretty much guaranteed to be read unless you're spamming, spamming something. So there you go. And also, you know, Facebook and Twitter, twitter.com slash thomasproinc and uh, facebook.com slash thomasproductionsinc. So there you go. So many ways that you can look at us. Yeah, if you um, want to call us in, but you don't have anything to say, just say, hey. The question of the podcast. Drumroll, please. What are you most looking forward to for the new Detective Awesome film? Ooh. Good one. That is good. What are you most looking forward to the next Detective Awesome? Call in, do all those things that we mentioned, and yeah, we'll definitely, definitely read it. Okay, so thanks for listening. Uh, again, I'm Lane. I'm Kevin. I'm Kyle. And uh, so long. Thanks for listening to The TP Cast. If you like the show or hate it with your guts, please let us know by sending us an email at thomasproinc at gmail.com subject line podcast or leave us a voicemail at 208-474-2690. If you would like to find out more about this podcast or about Thomas Productions, please visit our website at thomasproductionsinc.com. You can also follow our production updates on Facebook and Twitter at facebook.com slash thomasproductions and twitter.com slash thomasproinc. Please note that all non-original content featured in this podcast is the sole property of their respectful owners. On the other hand, all original content featured in this podcast is the sole property of Thomas Productions, Inc. It should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Thomas Productions, Inc. Although, let's face it, they usually do. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The TP Cast. The TP Cast.